With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Or Facebook. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Welcome back. Five minutes after the hour of 11 on 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. We're Miller and Condon's. We take you up until noon. 20 minutes or thereabouts, our friend Scott Dockerman from The Athletic on College Football. It's part of a roundtable. Doc was on the side of expansion. The pros uh, today at The Athletic, the uh, cons came out. I didn't read the piece because there are no cons. I did, but. There are no cons? One more, more football is good. Well, they, that's true. But are we in a better spot now than we were before the playoff era? I, I think so. I don't. No, I do. Yeah, it's all about the playoff. Nothing else matters. Yeah, there's there's something to be said for that. Five, You're six, right. seven teams that matter every year mm-hmm. in college football. Well, there's 128 to play. I don't like that part of it. I don't think the bowl games will go away, but right. uh, we'll get into that coming up in 20 minutes. Right now, we're good as we talked about a lot. The first segment of the show, the baseball was phenomenal this weekend. He's our regular uh, guest at this time on Mondays from CBSSports.com, where he covers Major League Baseball. Uh, Matt Snyder joins us. Matt, thank you as always. Trent and Ken, let's start. We're kind of we. Uh, I'm sure we spent a lot of last week's conversation, and that was the Padres and the Dodgers who entertained the hell out of us baseball fans again this weekend in a four-game set culminated in extra innings and the come-from-behind victory by those Padres had Bauer versus Tatis Jr. Uh, So much to like about this burgeoning rivalry between these two NL West teams. Oh, absolutely. It's it's great. It's been great, great theater. Uh, I don't think they play each other again for a little bit, so it'll get us kind of yearning to see it again Mm -hmm. right after we had back-to-back weekends with some crazy baseball. But yeah, it's I love the the kind of gamesmanship and showmanship back and forth, and I mean it's it hasn't just been oh this team won. It, there's been some really dramatic late inning comebacks mm-hmm. uh, throughout all seven games. No backing down from the Padres, None. and after a little bit of a rough start, they had that what eleven six uh, loss I think in the first game back a uh, week and a half ago now I guess it was. And they've been there every single time. The way the team carries themselves, this is different. I'm going to guess there are some old-school baseball people that don't like the Padres about the way they are. Doesn't feel like, though, this is the future of the game. This is the way we're going to see baseball played in the future, the way the Padres are doing it. Yes, and and what I would say if you say there's some old school people who are angry about their theatrics or whatever, I would just say, good, good. I'm glad you're mad. Right. Because you know what? Hey, it, it, as long as you have an opinion, then then the team is relevant. And if, if they're making somebody mad, it's because they matter. Um, and you're going to have people that support them, too. Polarization is good. Uh, it's an entertainment factor. I mean, it's not like we want this to necessarily be professional wrestling, but it kind of makes you think about the, like, no reaction is the worst possible reaction, right? So if you yep. have a strong reaction either way to the Padres, 
that's great for the game. No, no question about it. You know, they put up on the uh, at some point on the screen last night the Dodgers rotation, which is as we know, it's I mean, it's not fair, right? I mean, Carrot Top goes out last night. Dustin made the redhead. He's their fifth starter. How, yeah. could, I mean, theoretically, how many teams would he be? Maybe not the ace, but certainly no worse than the two, three, half of the teams in Major League Baseball, and he's in the five hole for the Dodgers? Yeah, I think it would be fair to say like 10 to 15 range, he would be a frontline starter mm-hmm. for sure. And yeah, he's a five. Well, and you think about David Price just right. went to the bullpen. Uh, he, he'd be in the rotation for most teams. I know he's not having the greatest year, and he took last year off. He, he opted out for COVID, but still. The talent that David Price has, a former Cy Young winner, a former Cy Young runner-up, former number one overall pick out of Vanderbilt, he, he's, he's past his prime for sure, but he absolutely could be in a rotation somewhere. It just shows what kind of organizational the depth they have. Well, while we're out west, let's stay there with one more, and it's the Giants. How are they doing this? I, it doesn't make sense. Our program director <laughs> here, he's a Giants fan, so we'll throw him a bone. Sustainability at all with this, or is it a 20-game sample? This isn't going to hang around. It's it's a sample. It's 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 a small sample. I don't know if they've played the toughest schedule. Uh, the one thing I do think they they seem to have something on the pitching side. Like Gossman looks great. Uh, Johnny Cueto got hurt, but he, he kind of looked a little bit like the, the Johnny Cueto of old. I think they have something going there pitching wise, but offensively, ah, I, I'm just I'm just not seeing it in, in the the long term. But it, it is interesting, like. It feels like ever since they won that first title in 2010, they they seem like even in their championship years, they seem way better than you think they should be somehow. Uh, so I, I don't want to completely discount them as a contender, but 14 and eight, nah, I mean that's they're not that good. Nah, not with those two heavy heads in the division. Yeah, I think that makes it tough too. Now, no. conversely, Matt, the American League Central doesn't have the Padres or the Dodgers, and there are the Kansas City Royals off to a terrific start. So you threw cold water on the Giants, and I agree with you. I think it's um, kind of a misnomer, and they'll come back to the pack at some point. But the Royals, we we see Duffy what he does. We saw what Singer did the other day. He was terrific. Junis looks like he absolutely belongs. Um, Salvador Perez is off to an MVP type of start. Merrifield's the best player nobody knows about in Major League Baseball. Um, what about the Royals? Could they have staying power? I, I, I'm still inclined to say no. Uh, now, as you mentioned, the division's a lot weaker, so there's a lot more opportunity there, especially with how much they've been able to beat up on the, uh, the Tigers, uh, and they're still going to have more opportunities to do that. And I do think there's something to the pitching. I do think the offense is capable of, of more than it's been doing. You can probably, like Jorge Soler should be better. Andrew Benintendi, mm-hmm. remember in 2018, he was really good for the Red Sox. Uh, the, Alberto Mondesi hasn't even played yet. He's been hurt. So they have potential to do a little bit more on offense. I, I, had, I picked their over, over 72 wins heading into the season. So I feel good about that. Uh, I still feel like it's going to be like high 70s, maybe low 80s in wins. But, hey, you know what? In that division, maybe it's, that's good enough to hang around for a while. And in front of the trade deadline, you never know what, what Dayton Moore is going to do. We know he's aggressive. We know he doesn't like to throw in the towel. Uh, and, you, you know, it's rebuilding, he'll do it, but he would much rather go for it. So I feel like if they're even close to in contention, he's going to make some moves for this year.
White Sox are in second place. Uh, yesterday, flipped over a couple of times to see Michael Kopech, and mm. I know he's on an innings restriction. The only reason he started yesterday is because of Giolito getting pushed back to Tuesday with what they called a freak minor injury. But this Kopech thing, do you know exactly what the plan is in terms of innings? And he is so, so talented. How much that changes things? Or staying, maybe by the time we get to the playoffs, we got to find out a way to have this guy be our number four. Yeah. For sure, I, I don't know how they're going to get about it, how they're going to get there. But it's, I mean, we had, he came up in 2018, then he had Tommy John surgery. Uh, he opted out last year, I believe he got divorced, and there were some yep. issues there. Uh, he hasn't really been throwing, so gosh, you, you don't probably don't want to go much more than like 125 innings or so, right? Especially with a guy that throws that hard. Mm-hmm. That's an awful lot of strain on the arm every time he pitches. Uh, so. Maybe they'll shut him down midseason, ramp him back up. Uh, Got to get creative. I mean, one of the things that I, I know probably too much attention was paid to it, but the Strasburg shutdown when the Nationals had the best record in the National League, that still grinds my gears. Yeah. you got to find a way to be creative. They just left him in the rotation all the way until a limit and shut him down instead of, like, skipping starts or going to a six-man rotation or, uh, you know, optioning him to the minors for a little bit and have him shut down and then ramp back. I mean, do something other than just pitch until you shut down. So I, I feel like they'll, they'll try to be creative and they are expecting to be in the playoffs and the best version of the white Sox in the playoffs would be with Kopech, not necessarily in the rotation, but as some kind of X factor, uh, maybe he piggybacks the starter that you only want to see the other lineup one time. Maybe you make him into a late inning reliever to team with Liam Hendricks, something he's got to be in there somehow. So I, think that they'll be creative. Uh, I want to go back to Friday night. Look, this weekend we saw some terrific pitching matchups. Saturday, Bieber versus Cole was was fantastic. But i got to be honest, um, I feel like I'm watching greatness when I watch Jacob deGrom toe the rubber. He is (laughs) unbelievable. 15 strikeouts on Friday, complete game. The game before that, uh, he struck out 14. The game before that, he struck out 14. Half of his outs, Matt, as you know, have come via strikeout this year. He's on pace to set an unbelievable uh, strikeout record. I think we're watching the greatest pitcher in the game right now. And at 33 years old in the month of June, I don't know how much longer he can keep doing it. I'm just going to enjoy the ride. And he's, he's becoming appointment TV if you're a baseball fan. Absolutely. And that thing, even if somebody wants to say, well, we've seen this before. Okay, well, we've seen it before. We've seen it in Sandy Koufax. We've seen it in Pedro Martinez in the middle of his prime. I mean, we've seen it in in Max Scherzer or Clayton Kershaw. This is one of those stretches where, as you said, appointment television. And he's getting better. That's the thing that I think is the most ridiculous part about that is his his two-hit shutout where he struck out 15 over the weekend. Uh, The 15 strikeouts was a career high. So in the middle of everything else he's doing, he's actually getting better. He threw, I, I believe it was 13 pitches over 100 miles per hour. Mm. His slider is sitting 93. That's absurd. I mean, it's just it, it's stuff that you would have never dreamed we would see 15, 20 years ago. Um, and and I, at times now I kind of feel like we almost take it for granted a little yeah. bit and don't realize just how ridiculous this is. 93-mile-an-hour slider. It's incredible. It's acidized. Watching these major league hitters leave the batter's box just absolutely clueless. Baffled. They're bewildered. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? Right. You know, we've. uh, you're a Cubs fan, Matt. I'm a Twins fan. We've heard it through years. The American League Central stinks. The National League Central stinks. And we thought maybe neither was going to be real great this year. 
But speaking of the Mets, the NLS East is terrible. The only team right yeah. now with a positive <laughs> run differential is the Marlins, who check in at 9-12. and 12. Is this to stay? Is this going to be a bad division all year long? My, my hunch is that somehow the Braves will get yeah. things figured out and be good. And the Mets, I think, I don't even understand. I don't know what happened in Wrigley. But other than that, the Mets have been 9-5 and five, yeah. other than those three games in Wrigley. So I feel like they're both good. Uh, the Phillies are just going to be really inconsistent and mediocre. I don't think the Marlins are very good. They just had one hot stretch. And uh, the Nationals, I, they, I think they've, they're pro- they probably have problems here because they're awfully thin. Yeah. You see Juan Soto's hurt right now. Steven Strasburg's hurt right now. And if you look at the rest of the roster, it's like, man, you just kind of realize, wow, we've got Trey Turner and Max Scherzer. And after that, there's just not a whole lot left. So something to watch heading to, heading to July if the Nationals follow the race, which they probably will. Max Scherzer's on the last year of his deal. Mm. Is he going to be on the move in July? A Kansas City Royal. <laughs> we were talking something? about them spending money wow, earlier in the something. program, Matt. Oh. <laughs> yeah, if they that pulled, would be something. That really and I would just be. Said, I just said Dayton Moore would be aggressive. Uh-huh. They have some prospect currency. Yes, so they do. That would be fun. No, it really would. Well, let's stay in the National League Central and uh, watching the uh, listening to the Cubs. Uh, listening to Pat Hughes yesterday was an absolute treat as he filled in on Marquee. Cardinals are uh, kind of spinning their wheels. They're eleven and ten. Cubs are on the uh, one game below the five hundred mark. Either of those two teams uh, poised to, you know, to to get on a run. And, and as we've said over the last few weeks, we all feel the Brewers are eventually going to, you know, come away with yeah. that division. Cardinals or Cubs? Who's most likely to challenge them? From what we've seen, twenty games into it. Probably Cardinals. Uh, they've been really, really inconsistent, but they probably have more there. The Cubs, as we've discussed previously, they just kind of seem broken in several ways, although it was really fun for that, what, five, six-game stretch to see, like, what they're capable of doing every once in a while offensively. I, we, we'll see a few more of those outbursts, for sure. It's just they're going to be few and far between. Um, so they're another team to watch come July because if they definitely fall out of it, there's a lot of guys to trade there. Um, I, 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 I trust in the Cardinals more, not, not by a lot, not by a, a wide margin or anything like that, because neither team's really that trustworthy, but you, I'm probably going to see the Cardinals settle into a second place while the Cubs are battling the Reds for fourth when the Pirates eventually stop playing well. Selfish one. What's wrong with mm. the twins in your mind? It is. Losing to the Pirates over the weekend. Bats aren't there. They have two guys hitting right now. Byron Buxton and Nelson Cruz, but nobody else in this lineup. What do you see wrong with the Twins? A lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's true. Um, I, gosh, I don't know. I mean, maybe we just needed to let him get into the season a little bit more. Josh Donaldson coming back would make a big difference. But, I mean, I remember heading into the year, I, I looked at the Twins lineup. And I said, gosh, Donaldson and Cruz are awfully important to that lineup. And Cruz is 40, and Donaldson's hurt a lot, and he's getting up there in years. And it was just like, ah, I don't know. That offense doesn't seem that deep. Maybe we're seeing that, that come to fruition there. Uh, they should be better for sure, but I, I don't know. Maybe it's just not that good of an offense overall, and, and we're going to see changes through the, through the year. 
Uh, Matt Snyder, CBSSports.com. Uh, Matt, uh, the one series this week that you're looking forward to the most, um, Sunday Night Baseball. Who is Sunday Night Baseball? It's the Phillies and the Mets, I think. And I don't know if DeGrom's going to be scheduled. When did he pitch? He pitched on Friday, so he'll come back on Wednesday. And if he pitches maybe Sunday, might we see DeGrom Sunday night? Well, if if we do, then that's the answer. Yes, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, I, Seattle and I, the I Angels, maybe? Head. Kind of a sneaky one? What was that? Seattle and the Angels, kind of sneaky? Sneaky yeah, good? If, 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 Trout, if Trout comes back, and, and I think Rendon is, is coming back soon, because the Angels have they started off great, and now they've, they've uh, lost, I believe, seven or eight of their last ten. Mm. So they, they could stand to get back on track, and you know, I, I mentioned something like this with the Nationals and the Twins and being kind of thin. The Angels with Trout, Rendon, Otani, you have like the top shelf talent there. But when you get past them, you know, Jared Walsh, breakout candidate, he's having a nice year so far. But when you get past that, they really don't have much depth. So when somebody goes down, you see what happens to them. So if they get Rendon back, Trout's back from getting hit in the elbow, that could be a fun one. Royals twins this weekend, Trent Condon. That's wow. a big spot as well. Matt Snyder, CBSSports.com. Matt, thank you. Appreciate it as always. We look forward to talking with you next Monday. Thank you, Matt. All right. Have a good one. You do the same. Matt Snyder, CBSSports.com. Love that conversation every week. That's yeah, a good way to get the week started. And Well, we're both recap. baseball fans. We are baseball uh, fans. And interesting seeing the uh, reaction of our Twitter poll from earlier. Right. People, told you that it's not as universally loved as you and I would think it would be. I, I understand for baseball purists. But and I'm a purist, I think. I think so, too. I understand the argument. I don't agree with it, uh-huh. but at least understand it. You're tricking, But isn't everything tricked up in a certain way? Isn't shootouts in hockey mm-hmm. tricking things up? Mm-hmm. Isn't shootouts in soccer tricking... On and on and on. Trent, we went four and a half hours of baseball last night. Now, it was great. It was. Because I didn't watch a minute of the Oscars. Nope. Neither did I. um, Not not a single minute. And there was nothing on. Mm -hmm. It was phenomenal. Yeah. But that's enough. (laughs) Right? Even that's a a lot to ask somebody to sit down and watch four and a half hours of baseball. The And they were talking about this towards the end of the broadcast, how much more deliberate the pitchers were when extra innings started, knowing just how much more tense you are having that runner mm-hmm. on second and how much more precise that you have to be. I still maintain a pitch clock needs to happen for the game. For the betterment of baseball, get in there and get the action going. I enjoyed it last night, mm-hmm. but I was also on my phone, and I was also folding clothes. That's my Sunday night project, <laughs> and I was doing that. I had other things going on. But if you're just locked into a game, there is so much dead time. In a game that you don't have a rooting interest, people... Enjoy that. Want to see the rivalry? Maybe tuning in for the first time. Dodgers Padres. That is a lot to ask. You got four and a half hours of A Rod too, mm-hmm. which is a tough listen. That it is, I think. Anyways, all right. Scott Dockerman on college football coming up uh, in about five minutes uh, from the Athletic. A really good two-part read on the uh, playoff, where we're going, etc. Some of the pros will get Doc's take on that. He also did a good look. Uh, came out this morning. I've not read it yet on the Hawks clones. And Panthers and their draft prospects for this coming weekend. But right now, speaking of baseball, do we have another home run? I mean, that's a, a very important trade. Hunter Dozier 
That is a blast to left field and gone to give the Royals a 2-0 lead. Not a great call there. <laughs> well, they're at home. They're in KC. Yeah, that they are. And, uh, well, Max Scherzer, you heard it here first. Soon to Wouldn't be. Wouldn't that be something? With the Royals, if they can spend money on... Well, look, if they're in it, and mm-hmm. they, I would think that they've, they've saved their money over the last few years. Wouldn't that be something? We will uh, come back and Scott uh, speak with Scott Dockerman of The Athletic, but that $1,000 home run, Trent, enter the keyword. Today is Monday, and that means it is 11 o'clock stock, S-T-O-C-K stock at KXNO.com. Simple as that. That's stock, KXNO.com. Your chance to win a grand, 1125. Scott Dockerman next, 1460 KXNO, 106.1 One for podcasting. <laughs> Hey everyone, it's Trent Kuyper Jr. Well, okay, it's Trent Condon, but I want you to join me this Wednesday at Mistress Brewing in Ankeny for our KXNO Mock Draft, presented by Graphite Construction Group. Participate in the draft live on air, and you could win 500 bucks. Jump and hang out, get a free beer, win free beer. It's all happening this Wednesday afternoon, beginning at 4 p.m. from KXNO and Graphite Construction Trent Condon here with you. There's two kinds of rental property owners. The do-it-yourself guy and the renter's warehouse guy. You know DIY guy. He insists on handling everything himself, even if it makes him miserable. Renter's warehouse guys are a lot happier because they let my friends at renter's warehouse handle all their property management headaches. Like when a tenant clogs a crapper, DIY guy grabs a plunger, heads over, opens the lid, and nearly passes out. Renter's Warehouse guy, he lets Renter's Warehouse handle it. When tenants are late with rent, DIY guy interrupts his workday to call them, email them, text them, until he's wasted his entire day. While Renter's Warehouse guy lets Renter's Warehouse handle it. And when a tenant has an emergency at 3 in the morning, DIY guy has to roll out of bed and handle it himself. Because when you're a DIY landlord, your tenant's problems are always your problems. Renter's Warehouse guy, he sleeps. Sleep soundly through the night. When it comes to your property management, let Renner's Warehouse handle it. Get your free rental price analysis at Renner'sWarehouse.com today. That's Renner'sWarehouse.com today or call 515-528-44. Are you overdue for your dental appointment? Now is the perfect time to get your dream smile. And Fuller Family Dentistry accepts most insurance plans. Fuller Associates Family Dentistry offers a relaxed family atmosphere, anxiety and pain management, and the ability to give you the smile that you deserve. As a family-owned and operated business, Dr. Fuller has been practicing dentistry for over 30 years. Fuller Family Dentistry is located near Grandview Golf Course in Des Moines in Altoona on 8th Street. Come see what the buzz is all about and check them out on Instagram.com. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, this is KXNO. All right, just past 1130, Miller and Condon, 1460 on the AM dial, 106.3 on the FM, we appreciate you spending some of the rest of the morning here with us. Scott Dockerman, momentarily, sounds like NBC is out of the NHL business. Uh, they are giving up. They've pulled out of bidding for the NHL, so ESPN will get some. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday said that Fox is going to get a good chunk of it, and maybe Apple TV. Ah, so you're going to have to figure out Apple TV is what you're saying. And I'm excited for the return of the blue and red streaking puck. 
no, with please, Fox. No, please. No, no. no. Uh, Scott Dockerman uh, of The Athletic, he joins us, as we said a couple of times on the program. Doc was part of a roundtable on the expansion of the playoff, and some of the uh, today's um, roundtable is kind of some of the blowback that um, – uh, towards expanding college football playoffs. Trent, I know you are in that camp. Scott Dockerman was on the pro side of the uh, argument for expansion, along with Matt Olson, Fortuna. Um, there was a couple more in there. Scott Dockerman, one of them, he joins us. Hello, Doc. Really enjoyed that piece, Scott Dockerman. How are you? I am fantastic, fellas. Uh, we're finally at NFL Draft Week, so... That's uh, that's my Christmas, so I'm pretty excited about that. I hope you all are well too. Yeah, and I can't wait for uh, I can't wait for, for Thursday night and then into the weekend. And I know you've got a good piece on some of the locals in that. But Doc, let's get to the uh, the national uh, writing that uh, you were part of. Uh, the roundtable on the expansion of college football's playoff format, when it might happen and how it may work and some of the roadblocks that it faces. So the exercise that you are part of, Doc, um, listening to your colleagues at The Athletic, was, was did any one of them say something that you hadn't thought of that got you to think for a minute? You know, that's a really good point when it comes to expansion. Did that happen at all? I would say so. I, I mean, I've thought about it, the expansion argument like everybody else has for so many years. And and uh, I think, you know, the, I think the, the fact that they're actually playing this kind of war game as far as 63 different possibilities as to expansion, whether it's 16, 18, 12, you know, 14, what, all the way up to 16, I think shows you that the, the, the committee or the people who are in charge of looking at this really view it as a likelihood it's just a matter of finding the not the sweet spot there'll never be a sweet spot when it comes to this but just finding the most tolerable solution to an expanding playoff and we knew this was going to happen um even when it started i mean back in 2009 i think it was 2012 when it first actually was approved for the 2014 season so we knew what we were gonna get and uh you know playoff creep is is upon us so um, everybody has different opinions on this. I think the one that stands out for me, I, I kind of went through, and and that is if you're going to expand the playoff, you're going to have to find ways to to limit games for for people for for teams because you're not going to ask even you know I mean let's say it's Alabama and Clemson like there's almost every other year. Right. You're going to ask them to seriously play 16, 17 games. Um, you know that those players have an NFL future. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to. They're not going to risk it playing for free. So I think you've got to figure out a way to, to eliminate or or lose some games. And I think the best way to do that is to make the championship game part of the regular season and and do what the Big Ten originally wanted to do last year, which is have that Champions Week. What am, if frustrations of college football is what it's morphed into? All that matters is the playoff. That's all. ESPN wants to talk about, of course, is their property, which is a big piece of that too. But the way that has evolved, I believe an expansion of the playoff and a significant one, not two more teams to get to six, but getting to eight, maybe getting as high as 16, will open it up enough where the Iowas, the Wisconsins, the Kansas States and Iowa States of the world at least have a shot of getting in because in the current structure, everything has to go absolutely perfect just to get a shot. And then you got to win two more games to win a national championship. The likelihood of that ever happening is incredibly low, but getting there, having a real chance of getting there, I think would help this sport out immensely. 
I'm kind of torn in the middle. Um, I, I put in that I'm kind of the old fuddy-duddy of the group, that I actually like the bowl system. But I also recognize the bowl system is, uh, you know, uh, kind of stands in the hourglass, and there's not a whole lot of fans left. Um, and, and that is, you know, in the 80s, 90s, even 2000s, getting to a bowl game, a uh, high-level bowl game mattered until they really shifted to the BCS championship game, and then it rendered everything else as consolation prizes. And, you know, my preferred system, which I even wrote about in December, was everybody go back to your traditional bowls, and then after the bowls, select four teams and have a four-team playoff. That way, you still have the New Year's Day intrigue. I mean, and I remember the 80s where you'd have, uh, you know, five or six teams that have that opportunity to win a national title. Iowa did it in 1985 after that season when it was in the Rose Bowl. If it would have won against UCLA, it had a really good chance of winning the national title. Uh, that's not the case now. My fear with the playoff, the expansion is we're going to turn an A into college basketball because the regular season does not matter. You know, look at what Iowa did this year in basketball. 14 wins tied to its record, Big Ten play. Uh, it didn't get to the Sweet 16, so its season stunk, according to most people. <laughs> so that's, therefore, that's what you'll find here. If Iowa football goes 11-1, uh, and one, uh, wins at Indianapolis, gets to be like a number three seed in, the, in a 16-team in a tournament, and then gets upset, that its season stinks. And second of all, football, unlike basketball, that teams with the most talent will win. And if you give them that opportunity, you will not see a Wisconsin and Iowa and Iowa State, uh, Michigan State win these games, uh, win these tournaments. It'll go to the team with the most five stars and the most depth and the most talent. And that's going to be Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and maybe a couple more. Then it's going to be very closed gripped. Scott Dockerman of the Athletic Doc, um, and you put this in the, in the piece. It was one of your answers at the round table uh, at the Athletic, and you just mentioned a couple of uh, minutes ago here, Championship Week. I think we are on to something here, and it's unfortunate that that COVID um, did not allow it to to really resonate here locally. As we took away, uh, COVID took away the Michigan Iowa contest. What's the likelihood, Doc, that that becomes something that you know we can count on in years ahead? That we can see the crossover matchups? Because um, I I think that you're on to something here, Doc. What's the likelihood that this goes forward and and does so for a period of time? Great question. You know, it's hard. I think it's going to be staggered. I do think that as the discussions intensify, when maybe they decide to target a certain number of teams at the next level for the playoff, that that probably becomes part of the conversation. Because if if this goes up to 16 teams, or even 12 for that matter, you're, at, you're talking about a significant amount of games. They're not going to be able to get away with Okay, you know, your Big Ten champion plays 13, and then you go in and you play three or even four more games after that. That's, <laughs> you know, if you're Ohio State, your Ohio State players are going to say, you know what, I do want an NFL career. So I think they're going to have to figure out a way to limit it. And, and I think Champions Week is the way to do it. I think by merely the Big Ten throwing that idea out there and, and catching wind, and I think people being excited about it. Yes, it's COVID that ruined it, but. I think that's got living potential for, for leagues like the Big Ten. Now, maybe it doesn't qualify for the Big 12, or, or they cut one regular season game down and use that one or something like that. But I think for the Big Ten, it, it's perfect because 
you can still play your two other cross-division games, but then you're always matching up against a good opponent, maybe in the season finale in, in, you know, in December. So if you're like last year, Iowa to Indiana, if those, one of those two teams would have played, they might have been in the desert playing Oregon instead of Iowa State. Instead, with both teams having their games out, uh, they had no opportunity to really showcase and or get a good win, which enabled Iowa State to kind of get in there. Well, Doc, anything else, Ken, on the Yeah, well, just one more, Doc. Yeah. Uh, on the negative side of the piece, not negative, kind of the blowback that came out today, and Trent touched on it a second ago with the bowl games and you know losing some of their relevance. And maybe it's just, I mean, they've got us, right? They've got, I, I will watch... I will tune in and I'll watch Central Michigan and Marshall play on the 26th of December. But I'm, I'm, am I kind of, um, you know, there are not enough of me's out there. Is, is that the fear that these bowl games just won't get any traction? ESPN still owns them. They're going to be, they're going to find a place for them. Sports betting is expanding. I mean, what did we see this weekend, Trent? Florida came aboard, New York mm-hmm. last week. Arizona and Maryland both joined the fray. So it continues to expand. Doc, will it really hurt bowl games, the smaller bowl games that we just mentioned, are that are like a Central Michigan Marshall matchup would that a playoff hurt that um games like that for those bowls the ones that are get hurt are the upper tier bowls like an orange bowl a rose bowl a cotton bowl you know games that really matter and have history then you won't get those primary matchups that's where i think you get hurt um you know as you mentioned you know the the pullet weed eater independence bowl uh people still bet on them i mm-hmm. mean you go like the, the third weekend in December is usually where there's about four or five bowl games that kick off, like the Las Vegas Bowl and, you know, a handful of those back matchups, uh, get Conference USA. And you look at the ratings comparing them to high caliber college basketball games, the bowl games kill them. It's like three to one. You know, you could have Kentucky play in North Carolina in basketball against, uh, you know, uh, the Camellia Bowl between the Sun Belt and the Mackin and the, the Camellia Bowl which is on ESPN versus the basketball game on CBS, it's not even close. So low-level football will be fine. It's kind of like the Pro Bowl. I mean, it stinks, but everybody still watches it. Uh, so I, I don't think that'll be an issue at all. It's, but, it, you know, but it will be when you start dealing with the Bulls, and then you start looking at the logistics of do you incorporate the Bulls or not, you got a lot of fans traveling. There's a lot of expenses involved in that. It's not quite like the NCAA basketball tournament. Um, you know, financially, it's a lot more expensive. So I, I think there's there's a lot of logistics involved in this. I don't know if 16 teams could happen right away. My guess is they piecemeal it to probably eight, and then uh, and then maybe in another decade they look at an expansion after that. We'll see. Uh, we'll talk to you next Monday after your second viewing of this Hawkeye football team, Scott Doctorman. What are you going to be looking for coming up on Saturday, and and what's changed uh, your eyes and what you're looking for compared to the first team you got to see this uh, team nine days ago? The first time I really examined the quarterback play and the wide receivers, uh, and uh, and and quarterback still will be the apple of my eye, like it is everybody else, mm-hmm. but. I'm going to probably refocus a little bit more heavily on line of scrimmage, offense and defense, because, um, you know, there were a lot of defensive players that were out on the defensive line, and there were a couple on the offensive line, too. But I think that's the next step in evaluating this team and where it is, is how, how 
good at what kind of pass rush do they have and how can they block the pass rush uh, i mean is, is nick de young going to be a, a real challenger for playing time at right tackle or is he just kind of a placeholder until somebody else can, you know like get over there likewise you know john wagner Gary black play those are the questions i really have this saturday uh, but it should be a nice day at Kinnick, so I'm looking forward to that. It'll just be we'll have the, dra- the, the draft tracker up at the same time as watching all that, right. uh, all the play on the field. Uh, and I did see that the, the University Center release, uh, Luca Garza, will be honored at the event. Scott, did you see that? Yeah. The wrestling event. Uh, so he'll he'll also address the uh, the crowd and stuff. But I haven't, I haven't seen anything as far as women's basketball goes, but I think that would be... Uh, if if they don't all, if they don't have Caitlin Clark and the yeah. basketball team out there, I think that would be a big whiff by them as well. Yep, makes sense. Scott Dockerman of the Athletic Doc, thank you. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you next Monday. Thank you. All right, have a good one, guys. He's the thank same, you. Scott Dockerman of the Athletic. As we do a little uh, college football, so the the format that I'm with, I don't think it'll get here first. But the twelve teamer with the first four getting a bye, and then five twelve, six eleven, seven ten, eight versus nine, that would be entertaining. But is it too much like basketball? Mm. If you're going to twelve, is that an automatic bid for the power five? Right. Does the American get an automatic bid? Yes. Does then the next does the Sun Belt get an automatic bid? If they're ranked in the top twenty four Yes, I don't know what that number would be, but if the if the playoff rankings come out in their top twenty, yes. If we're going to twelve, I just say go to sixteen. I don't like the. Buy so you don't like the buy? I don't. I'm not a big fan of the buy component. Just make a full bracket, make a real. So bracket. to win it, you would have to win three games. So you'd have to win four the, games. Four games. Man, that's asking a lot. It is, but that's where we're going. Mm-hmm. That's where we're ultimately going to get. And guess what? So what does the regular season look like? If, if you're asked to play four games to win a national championship, you got 12 regular seasons plus a championship game. That's 13. So you're up to 17? 17. They do it at the FCS level. Do it in the NFL. Hell, they do it in high school. <laughs> right. Interesting. So when does college football start? Labor Day weekend again or the week before? July 30th. Let's get it going. <laughs> Okay. I don't care, yeah. Commissioner Condon? Build more bye weeks in there and start this thing. And start it every year that last weekend. In and August. when does it end? Is the is the championship game the Saturday of um, between the championship games and the Super Bowl? Oh, push it back that far. There is a problem with that, though, and that is the academic side. Because you hear so many times... Many universities do not want to have that championship game or even semifinal games played yeah. when the second semester and, begins. And you didn't get the Christmas break off like everybody, mm-hmm. every other student. They're just back. It's I think you keep much. it the same. I think you can keep it the same. Right? Just keep it at four. Yeah, I'm good with it. I, I am. I'm with you. I, I'm look more football is always it's good. Mm-hmm. But if you're playing twelve and you, then you're playing a thirteenth. And I hope we get a championship weekend. I, I thought we were robbed. Well, we robbed a lot of ways in 2020, yes. right? But Michigan, Iowa, regardless of the matchup, just mm-hmm. that crossover, I thought we, I thought football was on to something yeah. there. 
It was a good idea. It was. We'll see if you've got any good ideas as far as gambling tonight when we come back and wrap things up. Miller and Condon uh, on a Monday. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Ortho, call today. All right, final couple of minutes here on a Monday. Sean Lee, former Penn State linebacker, retired after 11 years. So concussions really... Uh, uh, All kinds of injuries. Oh, just a ton of them, right? Yeah. But they really uh, uh, put a crimp in his... What was looking to be a pretty darn good career. 11 mm-hmm. years, he still had a darn good career. You know what? We didn't touch on it today, but uh, maybe maybe tomorrow. Um, Jordan Bohannon, there's such a thing, and I saw this on, I don't know, Twitter or something. Jordan Bohannon fatigue. Oh, absolutely. It's a real really, thing. It yeah. is, isn't it? It's real within the fan oh, base. And, and a team that doesn't look like it's going to be certainly great next year. Right. If he does decide to come back, uh, Dick Hoops Weiss over the uh-huh. weekend said... Yeah, this isn't just some guy that's... Yeah, right. This is Hoops Weiss. Yeah. And then Bohannon asked for his yeah, source, right. what his source was. Yeah. But that fatigue is real. It, it is. I, there are people out there that are wondering if he's coming back, not to be an Iowa Hawkeye right. for another year. right. But for the name, image, and likeness to give a platform for mm-hmm. himself or maybe to set up a walkout or something along those lines, that I think is a real concern with mm-hmm. a lot of Hawkeye fans. All right, uh, Trent, uh, let's get into gambling. What have you got here? To, do you like a game more so? To, look, Milwaukee's got to be in. Corbin Burns pitches for the Brewers. How big a favorite is the Brew Crew over the Marlins? They're minus 175. That's it? I well, thought it would be because more. Because the... Uh, the Rodgers kid on the other side, Taylor yeah. Rodgers, he's been incredible himself. Has he? He's got like 33 strikeouts and 21 innings himself. Oh. His ERA's under two. The total in that game, six and a half. Jeez. And with that, I kind of like the over. Do six you? Six and a half is so low for a baseball game. That was actually where my eyes went. Also like the Cardinals today against the Phillies. But just the Phillies are Wayne so Wright, I know for the Cardinals. Yep. I don't know who pitches Wheeler for the Wheeler on really? the other side for the Phillies. So Cardinals in the over in the fish against the Brooks. Staying local with a couple of NL yeah. Central matchups. All right, that will do it. Murph and Andy in an hour and five minutes. The Fanatics will follow him on in here at three. Morning Rush kicks off a Tuesday local programming. We're Miller and Condon. Weekdays from 10 to noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.